All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Daily Faceoff podcast comes to you courtesy of the Nation Network. The first overall pick in the 2015 NHL Draft. Gretzky had it, lost it, Eisenman picks it up. The Daily Face-Off. The Daily Face-Off podcast with your host, Brock Seguin. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 3, Episode 16 of the Daily Face-Off podcast, the first episode of the 2018 calendar year. I'm your host, Brock Seguin. With me, as always, we got Dylan D. Berthium, no longer in the friendly confines of Windsor, Windsor Ontario. How's it going, D.? Uh, you know, about as good as I can be for being away from Windsor for this long. Uh, starting to get those withdrawals, the scratches, the late night sweats. The old homesickness, uh, eh? <laughs> the windrawals. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> the windrawals, that was good. Nice, that was good. nice, nice. Uh, but yeah, no, it's been good, man. Been good. Back up in Brantford, one semester to go. Uh, oh, oh, oh. And then, yeah, we're going balls in on this fantasy hockey thing, so. There you go. And you've already heard from him a little bit. Uh, Michael Beebs Bondi also with us, still in Windsor, of course. But uh, Beebs, how's it going, bud? It's good. Um, you know, uh, we had some pretty exciting things happen around around Christmas break with uh, with, with with our Canadian hockey team there. So uh, it, it's been a good week for me. 
got hit by this flu that's going by on everyone. I haven't been bedridden in like years, so that was wild. Um, but yeah, we're, <laughs> we're bedridden. Eh? We're back. I could not move. It was ridden the worst. to the bed. <laughs> I like I was sending texts out to like everyone, like bring soup. No one was bringing soup. <laughs> by everyone, I mean like my mom. Right. Um, yeah, I, I didn't get a text. Ugh, I well, I did not want whatever type of soup you were bringing, Brock. Um, I'm just kidding. I would have enjoyed anything. Surprised there's no app to set, to bring you soup at this point, you know? Yeah, just I'm like, sure there well, is. There, there is Uber like, Eats, do... but we just don't have it um, yeah. in smaller cities. But Nor do we really have, like, a soup spot you could go to. Yeah, to like a soup, soup kitchen or, like, a just a... Like a specialty soup restaurant. Gotcha. Yeah, there's no... You're right. There isn't, like, a, a Tim Hortons of soup. I've been telling my girlfriend Tim to open one, soup. man. I've been telling Rose to open one forever because she makes killer soups every single week. Maybe... Maybe Come on. You guys just, yeah. I feel like that's like your aunt or your mom telling you you're good looking. You know? You can't. <laughs> can't, like, start, can't start a soup. What's going to happen if metaphor. you tell her you don't like the soup? You, she's going to stop making you food probably, right? No, so. the soups are bomb. Bomb soup. <laughs> I mean, I believe you. I'm just saying like the motivation probably isn't there for her. Beebs would have had like 12 soups delivered and it would have been made his life probably. But, yeah. Well, like if me or Beebs came over and we're like, this is some some really good, you know, effing soup, uh, I'm sure that would kind of boost the confidence a little more. Does that make sense? For you know sure. Oh, 100, 100, 100 feet. <laughs> yeah. She's not starting a soup <laughs> Source <now>. matters. <laughs> yeah. Let's not, just not stop yet. talking about soup. <laughs> Rose's soup. <laughs> Rose's soup kitchen. Um, but, boys, uh, you know, it's been 24 days since we last released a fantasy hockey podcast. Clearly, as we just yeah, uh, we basically off took a large a whole soup advent tangent. calendar. <laughs> yeah, a large advent calendar of uh, <laughs> not doing podcast days. But now we're back, and there's been a lot that's gone down in the NHL since we last hopped on the airwaves here. And why don't you guys ready to just jump right into it, or what? Yeah. Unless you guys want, you guys want to talk about any other food groups before we start. Uh, no, I think mm-hmm. we're good. All right, I, know. I think we've covered all all subjects I wanted to cover in the intro. <laughs> Beebs, I, I'm yeah. glad you're feeling better though. Across like, did you ever lose your voice at any point during that bedridden stage? No, I just, um, I just like couldn't. You know, just couldn't keep it together. Um, that's the way. I'll, that's the way I'll keep it PG. And uh, couldn't you know, keep it together. Yeah, uh, it was just. It was a bad time. It was dark. I think I slept like thirty-four of forty-eight hours between like a two-day span. I actually just started counting it after a while. I was like just trying to like up the record. I'm like, let's see. Sounds what we like can my do. weekend. Yeah, it was. Um, it was fun. Um, no, not fun at all. I, I had to call in sick to work. I'm not. I'm not a. I, I don't like that. No. <laughs> That's one of the uh, the many perks of working from home is like you don't deal with other humans really very often, like in a personal interaction. So I don't really get sick. Like I don't. Yeah, all you have is like a dog, and then yeah, and she doesn't bring like a lot of illnesses. Yeah, like Rose comes in, but as long as she stays (laughs) healthy, I'm usually all right. Rose is right. Maybe that's she's always making the soup, keeping you healthy. Yeah, 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 it's hard. (laughs) Super hardy, bro. How are we getting back to soup? (laughs) It came up naturally. What What do you want from me? Anyways, let's get into hockey here. Uh, let's start. We'll start the Eastern Conference and we'll work our way out west. Uh, let's start with the Bruins, who have just been on absolute fire as of late. Uh, they've leapfrogged the Leafs for second in the Atlantic Division. Uh, they came into today, which is Sunday, uh, as a time of recording, but by the time we release this, I'm not sure if they've beaten or lost to the Penguins. But coming into Sunday, they were 11 1 2 in their previous 14 games. Uh, which is the best record in the NHL over that span. Like, what has contributed to this amazing run by the Bruins? Uh, D, since they've leapfrogged your Maple Leafs, uh, I'll start with you here. Like, what is, what's turned around for these guys? 
you know, I think they just got a lot of things going right at the same time here. You got a lot of the guys kind of playing to their peak potential right now. Uh, Tuka Rask, you know, obvious one since December 1st. Uh, 10 wins, one overtime loss across 11 starts. It's been unreal. 956 save percentage, 1.2 goals against average across that span. Uh, and over that same time frame, Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak racked up 21, 18, and 17 points each, uh, respectively, across 16 games. So the top line's doing their thing. Uh, Rask, you know, giving them Vesna quality goaltending right now. Uh, and then also kind of emerging for the Bruins the last month has been that second line and kind of something that's been lacking on that team for the rest of the season. Danton Heinen, 17 points in 16 games. David Backus, 15 and 16 as well since December 1st. Uh, so I think you add it all together. You got a goalie playing out of Vesna Caliber, like I said, top line doing his job. And then secondary scoring, uh, elite secondary scoring over this last month and a half anyway. Uh, it's really as strong as you can ask for right now. So yeah, yeah like I said, you add all the three things together. Um, and you just got everything clicking at the same time, and it's going to you know, result in one of these hot stretches like we see 11-0-1 or whatever it was. Yeah, I, like, I, I have a lot of the same points as you. I guess it's kind of like the obvious. Um, you went back to December 1st. Uh, I went back just to December 7th, which is kind of when the winning streak started, the one that I alluded to, 11-2-1. But mm-hmm. uh, like you mentioned, Rass over that span is second in the NHL in goals against average and fourth in save percentage after some early season struggles. So obviously that goes a long way. Um, and like you mentioned, uh, it is Marshawn, Bergeron, Heinen, ba- uh, Bacchus, and Pasternak all have a point per game, um, at least a point per game over that stretch. And that was the one thing, like you said, they, had, they, was, like, they were a one-line team through the first two months of the season. Mm-hmm. And then they just finally got healthy. I mean, Bacchus got over the illness and stuff, and they, you know, they got some bodies back. Krejci's been banged up a lot this year. Spooner's been banged up a lot this year. Bacchus missed a lot of the year. And they got all three of those guys back, and now they're they're looking like a you know a really quality. They have a really quality top six. Uh, they have a pretty strong third line, so you know they they become a much deeper team recently. And when you got Rask playing like you know vintage Rask, it's it, it, everything's clicking. The one number um, that really stood out to me was they lead the league in scoring during that stretch, but they've also given up the least amount of goals over that time, which is crazy. Like They have a, uh, a plus 34 goal differential over that 14-game span, um, and they've also been able to just you know click at the third-best power play percentage over that time. So like just everything is working right now uh, for the Bruins. Uh, Biebs, do you have anything else that, you know, that's sticking out for you uh, when it comes no, to the for- Bruins right now? For me, it's just, you know, back is coming back from that injury is huge. He just adds so much to that lineup, so much depth. And, and with him scoring at the pace that he is now, it's it's a little higher than his career averages, but it, it, it helps a lot. And clearly he's off to a kind of hot start-ish, I guess, for him since he did get going a little late. And then uh, I always yeah, bring him up. Sure. Charlie McAvoy is just the, the kid's turning into like an absolute stud back there, and they're starting to give him more and more of that ice and with him and Chara as their as their top pair it's a pretty gross combo and uh they're scary right now they look like uh you know Boston Bruins of five six years ago that would uh that scared a lot of teams and uh I I like them now it's it's dangerous yeah Bacchus is one of like those good guys too that a lot of people root for that like he he was great good team guy yeah and then like he he struggled there uh to start his career in Boston it's nice to see him kind of get back uh to the you know he, he the offensive production that we were used to seeing out of him a couple of years ago, and especially when he overcome a uh, pretty serious illness like he had. But yeah, like you oh, said, yeah. even Char, like Char looks great for as oh, old yeah. as he is. Like he's playing some really good hockey, and you know, there's a, there's a lot to be said about a seven foot five defenseman. Like, 
Not easy to get around that 40 guy. years old and still uh, still killing it. So, For sure. Uh, but sticking in the Eastern Conference on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, uh, I've talked about him a little bit recently on Twitter, which is pretty much the only way anybody of our listeners have been able to hear from us is uh, via Twitter because we took a pretty much one-month hiatus. But the Ottawa Senators have been just absolutely dreadful. Uh, since the Matt Duchesne trade, they have the worst record in the NHL. Um, I don't know where the numbers lay right now, but a couple, I think it was like a week ago, maybe under a week ago, I tweeted out something like Matt Duchesne was tied for like 374th in the NHL in points after being traded to Ottawa. He did have a pretty good weekend though. Uh, I think yeah, he had a couple he had goals three and goal assists. Game, three point game, yeah. Yeah, and then added, I think, a, a goal the, the following night as well. So he has uh, picked it up a little bit as of late, but I mean, in his first, I think it was 23 games in Ottawa. Absolutely terrible. Uh, Beebs, you know, you were uh, you were an Avs fan. You know a lot about Duchesne. Uh, you know a lot about this deal. What What's going on in Ottawa? Why are they struggling as much as they, they are right now? I mean, they, they were a playoff team last year. They thought they were going to add somebody like Duchesne, and that would Im- improve their team that much more, and it just has not worked at all. What's going on in Ottawa? Um, I think it honestly it speaks a lot to the role of, of depth players because this is uh, as we know this is clearly not the same Ottawa team that would, took uh, was Pittsburgh to Game Seven last year and um, right to get to the, well they would have gotten the Stanley Cup Finals. This team just looks terrible, um, and I think it's just uh, these like obviously we talk we're talking about Duchesne struggles. I'm going to go into it later on when we uh, get into another segment, but um, you lose someone like Kyle Turris and and he's a two way two-way center who's personally i think a lot better than duchene in this lineup and he fit he fits it a lot better duchene's a he's a pure goal scorer but he just he lately you know he just he doesn't have that jump in him i i always have hope for him because i i saw what he could do as a young player but it just seems like maybe you know he peaked a little early and that could have been it um but at the same time i want to give him the benefit of the doubt he's he's getting you know 20 minutes of ice time a game but uh again i'll touch that later but it's just the depth guys there's no mark method to play uh to play besides carlson you got to put johnny oduya there that's a, that's a big difference and carlson we've heard a lot about his struggles i don't think he's 100 percent healthy still um he just doesn't look it and then you're, you're sliding in a 60 man like ben harper who's you know he's, he's he's there but him and thomas Chabot, that's a that's a pretty weak five six uh not a lot of experience and uh their goaltending just hasn't been there we we talked about how good craig anderson was last year um whenever he would you know when he was in that lineup and then when he wasn't mike condon was always just you know holding down the fort and this year no one seems to be able to hold down anything um and goaltending is huge and that's that's been a key thing as well yeah that's the one thing for sure that's been not the one thing but it's been the most alarming detail has been the goaltending it's not even like a, that surprising though. If you look at Anderson's career numbers, like season in, season out, like he was like he's like the Rick Nash of goalies. He can he's just yeah. unreal one year and an absolute flop the next. Uh, before I dive a little deeper though, D, what do you think uh, is going on in Ottawa? Yeah, I, no, I definitely agree. I think you know Anderson has struggled pretty mightily. Uh, three forty five goals against, nine hundred three save percentage Ugh. since the start of December. Uh, and Mike Condon's been even worse. And, to me, like you make a, you look at the makeup of this team, and it's just not built to overcome bad or even mediocre goaltending. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, we talked about how it's been a relatively off year for Carlson. He certainly struggled to put the puck in the net. Uh, secondary scoring really has been non-existent on this team. When that Duchesne trade happened, you know, we did the show breaking it down, and, and I talked about how it really seemed like the Sens were taking a step back, downgrading from Tourist to Duchesne, yep. at least in terms of production, and, you know, that's certainly been the case so far. Duchesne just 10 points through 26 games, despite the hot weekend he's had. 
uh, as an Ottawa Senator. Tourists with 19 and 26 for the Preds so far. Um, so, yeah, they've definitely taken a step back, and I really don't see this getting much better for the Sens. I just think the lack of secondary scoring combined with the terrible goaltending, it's just it's hard to imagine either of those areas improving anytime soon, and I, I just think it'll continue to be too much for the guys like Carlson, Stone, and Hoffman to overcome. Yeah, Stone's the one guy that seems to be just trying to put this team on his back right now. I mean, obviously Carlson as well, but like you guys alluded to, does not look 100% uh, at all. It's just there. I guess like the one thing you can say is Duchesne I definitely wouldn't be the first player to kind of have a slow start after being traded to a new team. I think sure. it happens more often than not, but uh, he has not looked that great. That team hasn't looked good at all. But uh, to dive into the numbers a little bit, they just really aren't doing anything. They're not generating any offense. They have no goaltending to speak of. Um, they're in the bottom third of the league in course rating. They have the fourth, fourth fewest, excuse me, scoring chances for the fewest, third fewest high danger scoring chances for. And then when you couple that with the second worst five on five save percentage in the NHL, you just have a, a pad hockey team. Uh, and yeah, then like that's... you know, Carlson is you know always has been kind of the straw that stirs the drink in, in Ottawa, if you will. And he's just, when he's not playing up to his, uh, you know, his le- elite level, the team is going to struggle. Uh, yeah, I, I just think that, like, the game plan for as long as Carlson's been, you know, an elite defenseman and one of the best players of the game in Ottawa, their competitive game plan has been kind of control, dominate the play when Carlson's on the ice and kind of just get by when he's yeah, not. Yeah, weather, weather the storms um, when he's not. Exactly. And when you're not getting the goaltending, you're not getting the secondary scoring. It just gets increasingly difficult to play that way. And like I said, I just don't think Ottawa is built to overcome those those weaknesses right now. Yeah. And I think I guess the one thing you have to look at is uh, Guy Boucher has to be the front runner. I, I can't remember the exact stat, but there was this was like the first time in NHL history, not in NHL history, but like in a zillion years where no coach has been <laughs> fired in the first half of the season. Um, yeah, that's pretty funny. So Guy Boucher, I think you'd have to look at that and, and assume he's one of the front runners to be fired here in the second half. Cause, Which is tough because obviously, like management uh, and ownership has had a pretty big influence on you know what that team is at this point. For sure, yeah, his um, team getting shaken up halfway through the year for yeah. way worse. Yeah, that's not. A, yeah, I agree. Well, you know, it's got to be hard as a coach to deal with the you know what at best is a lateral move when the media is touting it as an outright win for your franchise, right? So. Absolutely, and the thing is, like. They have offensive talent. I mean, you look at Stone, awesome. Hoffman, Duchesne, yeah. Ryan's actually playing pretty good hockey. Derek Bussard, even Zach Ryan Smith's is a very good you know, two-way forward. Th- 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 yeah, but then th- it just falls off. Like, I mean, CeCe's not the player they expected him to be. Phaneuf is what he is and has been for years. Shabbat is going to be, I think, a great defenseman, but he's just not ready to make a a big impact. He's not great in his own end yet. He's Broussard a child still. <laughs> yeah, Broussard doesn't even know what... I don't even think Duchesne wants to be there. He realized that he got actually traded to a way worse team than the one he was playing on, so he doesn't even know Man. what to do. Yeah, I mean, the me. one thing I would say about Duchesne is that they finally got him playing, or they finally got Hoffman playing with him. He's finally got something to work with. Yeah, for um, now. <laughs> which, yeah. But I wonder how long it takes, you know, till the panic sets in and he moves Hoffman onto the top line with Stone, because uh, I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. Well, he does it for, like, a, a game or a period, and then it just... It, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it's it more mid-game thing, I know, but... Let's go to another team that's really fallen off as of late. Uh, we'll try to get through, through this a little bit quicker here. And this one's a little bit more surprising than the Senators, and that's been the St. Louis Blues. Because I remember in our last episode, we really touted them as being one of the better teams in the league. 
you know, just losing Jaden Schwartz, obviously not ideal. Uh, and, and I'll jump into this one really quick because I've always been a huge Jaden Schwartz fan, but I never really knew his impact was as big as it appears it might be given their recent struggles. Uh, but it, it's nuts right now. Um, it's not we, like they're not used to it, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he's been he was clicking with with Braden Shannon at the start of the year, like just insane. Uh, in three hundred seventy one five v five minutes together, they have a fifty eight point one course e four. They had sixty point seven of the scoring chances for and seventy nine point four of the goals for while together at five on five. Without Schwartz, though, Braden Shen has seen those numbers drop from fifty eight to forty six Corsi four, from sixty to forty five point nine in scoring chances for and from seventy nine to forty five in goals for at five v five. So like the 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 mark or the drop off is just insane. Uh, without Schwartz, they've really struggled at five 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 v five without him. They tried Shannon Tarasenko together, but they just don't have that third piece. I mean, we've seen Ivan Barbashev, Dmitry Jaskin, Patrick Berglin. Like they've tried everybody up there, and yeah. it, it's seemingly not working. Um, they've really struggled as of late. I guess my question to you guys is. is is this all just kind of the Schwartz injury right now, and it's it's hurting them as much as it looks like it's hurting them, or is maybe they were just playing it over their head earlier in the year? I mean, I, like, what do you guys think, Beebs? We'll start with you. Like, is it Schwartz? Is like, is that really all that they're missing right now? Uh, I don't know about all, but you you did describe the impact he was making there, and and I mean I didn't even realize it was that big in itself. I Those numbers like, are astounding for sure. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And when you take that out, it's uh you, you know that's that that's a big loss, and it just seems that just the way it shook the lineup up, it just it seemed to just mess it up so much. As well as uh, one thing too is Jake Allen really has been struggling a ton for lately. Sure. Um, they're calling they're calling that um. Even even Allen's come out and said, you know, I don't even deserve to be starting over Carter Hutton right now. Um, it, it and and when you don't have the goaltending, it's it, it's tough to do well, and and it almost looks like the team in front of him has lost confidence in him, and and maybe you know he's lost a little bit of confidence in himself. Um, they 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 need someone like if Hutton can do it just to solidify that you know a good goaltender there because they're so used to having strong goaltending behind their you know strong defensive pairings. I think this is a really really good team. It's just a good team going through a bad stretch. They do it every year. I always uh, second guess Jake Allen, and then he goes on a super hot streak and is just like the best goalie ever. So I uh, I don't know. I I think the Blues are for real. Um, I'm not too worried, but they definitely do need to figure out how to fix that Schwartz problem. Yeah, it's a. Uh... Maybe Jake Allen's just forever going to be locked into a, in a timeshare the way it looks right now because Hutton has been just outstanding. Just loves it. But uh, D, what do you think? St. Louis is just going to be locked in a timeshare for their goalies for for for, for life. That's just their thing. It works. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree, guys. I think the Swartz injury has definitely hurt them a lot. Um, you know, that top line was just clicking so well, uh, I, and I, I do think they were probably due for some regression. Uh, anyway, you know, Schwartz himself shooting 22%, that whole line above, I think, 11 or 12% on ice shooting percentage at the time he went out. Um, so, yeah, they were probably down to fi- or bound to face some regression at some point anyway. And then, uh, you know, my guess is that um, losing Schwartz kind of just expedites that whole process. But Tarasenko, 11 points in 15 games since he's been out. Shen, 8 and 15. Um, so, yeah, as you alluded to, Barack, a far cry from what they were doing earlier in the season. And then you look at Allen on top of that, one of his last eight starts, he's turned in for a win, 906 save percentage in that span. And like you guys said, Hutton playing so well. Um, you know, definitely a situation worth monitoring. Uh, 
I don't think Allen has, you know, the most job security in the world, especially, you know, like you like you guys had alluded to, just the way kind of St. Louis has opted to run teams in the past. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I just think, you know, they struggled so much, and it really has kind of had a trickle-down effect on their secondary scoring. Um, and you combine that with the mediocre goaltending, you're going to have a bad stretch, you know. Um, the Central Division is just too good for that. You're going to have a bad time. So uh, they got a lot of time to figure this out. They need to find a way to score more consistently, obviously, without shorts in the lineup. Uh, and, you know, to Mike Yo's credit, I think he's trying. There's been a lot of line shuffling going down in St. Louis the last couple weeks. <laughs> Every game uh, is a new player on the top line. <laughs> seriously, yeah, he's trying to figure it out, man. Um, and, and, you know, I think the healthier they get, not just shorts, but some of the other guys they've been missing for the bulk of the season, um, I, I think they'll figure it out. Obviously, like I said, it is a tough division, but there's just too much talent on this Blues roster. Uh, I, I still like the Blues moving forward, even if it means you know going to Carter Hutton a little bit more. You guys know I've never been the biggest Jake Allen fan, um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of hope left to St. Louis despite kind of this rough this rough stretch. It's kind of in the opposite sense of the Bruins, where they have everything clicking at the same time. It seems like the Blues right now are just kind of everything falling apart at the yeah. same time. Yeah, it's it's the I was gonna say the same thing. It's kind of all just collapsed on them and. Yeah, the Jaden Schwartz, which you know we were waiting for too. Like, it's not like we were expecting you know all three of those guys to finish. No, with nine I, and we talked about how Shad and Schwartz were playing out of their minds and you know above their heads, and it was bound to you know regress a little bit. And unfortunately, it took a Jaden Schwartz injury to kind of to really prove our point. But I mean, on. he'll be back you know not for, not too long from now, and uh, I think that this is also um, a really good time uh, to buy low on Jake Allen. Um, I don't think that any of us would say that he's the best goalie in the NHL by any stretch. But there's something to be said when you look at a goalie that's struggling. His fantasy value will obviously decrease when he's not playing well, but his fantasy value decreases so much more when the backup is playing well. Because everybody just assumes that he's just going to upright steal the job and Hutton's going to start 85% of the games going forward, which isn't going to be the case at all. Hutton is playing very well, but he's also another guy with just a career 9-15 save percentage. He's no world beater himself. So I think Allen uh, will be just fine. I think the Blues will be just fine. I still think in my mind they're a top three team in the West. But speaking of a playoff team in the West, Biebs, your Colorado Avalanche. Oh my goodness, what is happening? They trade Matthew Shane. Now, all of a sudden, they're sitting in a wild-card spot in the Western Conference, which is no easy task. It's a great conference. Um, what's going on in Colorado? Are they for real, bro? Uh, well, clearly, you know, Samuel Gerrard for Matt Duchesne swapping that in and out of the Steel. lineup. Is just, that's just going to make you a playoff team. Everyone knows that. <laughs> but, um, no, honestly, I'm kind of – I've been kind of amazed with it. Um, like, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the ride. Don't get me wrong, but I, I don't think it can keep up. Um Really, what's driving this whole team is the top line um, with Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, and Miko Rantanen. Um, and for those of you who don't know, McK- or, uh, Rantanen, uh, wow, Rantanen has 38 points in uh, 41 games, so he's just below a point per game. Oh, no, I'm sorry, 41 in 41. So he's at a point per game, and he's still only 61% owned, so I still had to mention that. Nice. Um, and then M- McKinnon is second in uh, in league-wide scoring. This line is absolutely disgusting. Um, and, and they just seem to dominate teams and, and they're out there every other shift. And then Colorado <laughs> just kind of has to, it's almost like the, the Eric Carlson thing right now in Colorado, where it's like just other lines survive, you know, the, the Kerfoot Yakupov line skate around really fast, tire the other team out. We don't need you to score and then let the big boys do their work. Um, and then another huge emergence that pe- that's not really going to show in fantasy at all, but is, um, is Nik- Nikita Zdorov kind of stepping into, uh, the role that the abs kind of hoped he would play when they traded Ryan O'Reilly for him a couple years ago. Fine. Um, 
yeah, he was he was a huge piece of that deal, and for good reason. He was a young, big defenseman, and he's he's coming into himself, coming into uh, you know, his big. I think he's six five, six six frame, um, absolute monster. And him and Eric Johnson have looked really good. Eric Johnson's healthy, someone who Colorado didn't have all last year, um, which really he is their number one D man. No team could ever afford to lose a number one D man. So uh, having him healthy, emergence is Zadorov. Um, and then um, their goaltending hasn't even been great, so we can't even attribute that. Just that first line is so good. Yeah, it's crazy that they're, uh, what are they, 5-1, and one, I'm pretty sure, without Tyson Berry, too, which is wild. Yeah, which has like, been kind of why Zadorov has stepped up. It's like, just took that Berry injury. But um, but Berry was, you know, he was the power play quarterback, and he was the quarterback of a lot of things on the ice. So it is surprising, but hey, it's working. One of the funniest storylines, I think, out of uh, Colorado this year has been Patrick Nemeth, because I, I, and I don't know if you guys pay too much attention to it, uh, but I just oh, yeah. constantly see, like, the Avalanche, Avalanche Twitter is very similar to like Oilers Twitter when it comes to Nemeth it's like basically like the same Chris Russell argument um in Colorado and he has been a phenomenal DraftKings play that's for sure because the guy blocks like 140 (laughs) shots a night it's insane um but you know they're they're playing a hell of a lot better and Beebs you said it man that that McKinnon and Randon line is just gross uh nobody's even talking about Landis Cog because the other two (laughs) are their numbers are just so gaudy but and Really, Landis Cog's doing so much, but he's, you know, he's one of those taste-like players where he's it's not going to show up point-wise, but that's why the other guys are great. But, sorry, but he's still, yeah, 32 points in 37 games. I mean, he's just under a point per game in his own right, but, you know, it, it's a little bit weird still that there are some alarming numbers out there when you look at the Avalanche. I mean, they have the second-fewest scoring chances for in the entire league, which I think you can maybe attribute to a lack of secondary scoring. It's obviously just that entire top line. Um, they have the least high danger scoring chances for, and the sixth highest shooting percentage at five on five. So they're they're literally generating like the least chances in the league and scoring at one of the highest rates. So they're just I feel like there's something going on there. I feel like there's going to be a way where those two numbers aren't going to work out the way they are working out right now. There's going to be some regression here in the near future. But, you know, there's something to be said when you look at Nathan McKinnon. He's really elevated himself into that elite player that, you know, we and obviously the Avalanche thought he was going to be uh, maybe just getting rid of Duchesne and just giving him all the ice time uh, in the world is is what it took. But he's been just outstanding. D, I know you absolutely love this line in DraftKings, so I know you'll go off yeah. on him in a, in, in a minute here. But Miko Randon, we also have talked about him a lot in, in the past about being an absolute stud. Uh, great shot. Just, a you know, a big winger who can just kind of do it all for the apps which is great uh but personally i think like the whole team uh they are due for a little bit of regression they're shooting at a pretty high percentage uh like the rest of the team is but uh you know what at the end of the day this is not an avalanche team that they thought i don't think you know given what they did last year anybody really (laughs) thought was going to contend so Regardless of if they are a playoff team, this is unbelievable for Avs fans. This is, you know, especially somebody like Zadorov playing good is humongous because he was looking a little busty there for a bit, but he's playing a much better hockey. Um, They do, you know, watching the World Juniors too, and that's what I was just—that's what I was just going to say. Kale McCarr looked exceptional in the World Juniors. So when you look at all the pieces that are in place right now, you know, all of a sudden. After one of the worst years in NHL history, it looks like there might be a bright future ahead here in Colorado after some down years. But do you, do you have anything else to add? Like, what do you think about this Avs team? Like, do you think playoffs? Playoffs? Uh, 
So, you know, I, I obviously don't think it's the most likely scenario to play on from here on out from all the points you made, Brock. Um, but there are a I lot do of points. think there's a lot to like on this Avalanche team, and there is kind of a recipe to get there. Um, they're just going to need, you know, to absolutely, you know, continue to be carried by this top line, which is what happened so far. And it probably won't continue to happen in the same degree. Uh, you know, as great as McKinnon has been, I think he's due to come back to earth a little bit. Um, but nevertheless, you know, he's certainly elevated his game this season. So it's kind of tough to project where he's going to end up in the second half. He's played better than he ever has. Um, but I, I really think, you know, the key to this team's success right now is in their special teams. They're top five in the penalty kill. I think they're seventh in the power play right now. Um, so again, that's their big boys doing work on the power play. Uh, and then uh, to me, you know, a good penalty kill speaks to good coaching more than anything else. Uh, and probably good goaltending or situational goaltending anyway. Uh, and you guys know, I'm a big Sammy and Varlamov fan. Uh, he's done it for long stretches before. Um, I don't necessarily think he's the most likely to put it together for half a season, but I certainly think he's capable. Um, and he's had his moments this season. And I just think if he puts it together on any given night, goodbye with the top line, this team is good enough to beat anyone on a given night, but there's just absolutely no depth of them right now that I think relying on that over another 41 games is going to be a tough task. And they certainly got a tough road ahead. But again, if the special teams continue to be as good as they have and they can get, you know, slightly better goaltending than what they have, uh, I do think there's a chance for this to happen. Um, but at the very least, you know, super bright season for Az fans. I think you can really start looking at this team um, and kind of just plugging in complimentary pieces here and there in your head over an off season or two. And you can really imagine uh, how this could be, you know, a continuous playoff threat year in and year out. Yeah. The one thing just to be said about them is they're just still super, super young. I mean, Tyson Yost mm-hmm. has a super bright future ahead of him. Uh, players, you know, Alex Kerfoot, they, JT I like Kerfoot. Yeah. Oh, like JT yeah. A lot of these guys, man, they've got, got a lot of growing. Lot of, even like yeah. the, the crazy thing is too, one of those big pieces in that Duchesne trade was uh, Kamenev, and he got hurt in his first game with the Avs. He would be in this lineup right now and making a difference, and they would be just that much better. There's a lot uh, bright days ahead, but let's turn our focus more towards fantasy hockey. What we're going to do now is we're going to go into an extremely lengthy injury report here. Uh, then we'll go to a quick break, and when we get back, because of all the injuries, there's big injuries across the board when it comes to forwards, defensemen, and goaltenders. So we're going to turn our attention to waiver wire pickups. Uh, we're each going to give you a forward, a defenseman, and a goalie that we really like. And then after that, we're just going to take a look back at the first half, kind of talk about guys that we thought were the biggest fantasy surprise in the first half, the biggest fantasy disappointment. Uh, and then who's in line for a big second half? Somebody that, you know, it's basically a buy low candidate, somebody you can look for, or, you know, somebody that's already on your roster that you expect, that we expect to have a big second half, and then somebody that we think is going to slow down a bit in the second half. But before we go to the Blue Stones and the break, let's take a quick pick, quick peek, Jesus, at the injury report. Uh, we're going to start with the same team we were just talking about, the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, a lot of these injuries you guys already know about, but I'm just going to run through them again because we haven't been on the airwaves in you know 24 days so let's start let's start with tyson berry uh expected to miss another three to five weeks with a broken hand mark shifley huge blow to the jets expected to miss another five to seven weeks with an upper body injury Corey crawford very mysterious what's going on there not a lot of updates at all they just kind of just keep saying he's out indefinitely uh crawford's battling an upper body injury really just nobody knows remains without a timetable doesn't look great <laughs> i mean usually means concussion you, yeah something's yeah. going on they're not really saying anything so 
not uh, to just pure, purely speculate, but yeah, if you haven't heard an update on an upper body injury for like over a week or two, it's usually a concussion. Yeah. <laughs> Sticking with the Blackhawks, Ardo Manisimov has been updated a little bit. Uh, he's expected to be back before the Blackhawks bye week, which starts January 15th, which basically means he'll be back, uh, expected to be back next week, which is good news for the Blackhawks. Uh, Micro for a leak, not a lot of updates there. He just remains on IR with a broken jaw. Philip Forsberg expected to mix another four to six weeks with an upper body injury. Not ideal for the Predators, who just got Ryan Ellis back, and then, you know, one of their top-end forwards goes out really bad. Uh, Shea Weber expected to be out until after the All-Star break with a foot injury. It seems kind of like a touch-and-go, day-to-day type thing still. Um, If he is feeling better, I think we could see him back before the All-Star break, but the Canadians especially when they're playing this bad. I don't think they're going to rush him back anytime soon. So don't expect to see him until uh, later, you know, early February. Uh, Chris Kreider underwent surgery to have a rib resected and is out indefinitely. Uh, I I can't remember what thoracic outlet uh, syndrome or whatever that shit's called. Sounds like the Matt Harvey injury is what he's dealing with right now. Uh, He he, he originally sidelined with a blood clot in his arm. Uh, best wishes to him because that's brutal. Uh, Jimmy Howard out with a lower, lower body injury. Sounds like he's just going to miss a couple starts here. Uh, probably back after the Red Wings bye week. Jake Muzzin was placed on IR uh, with an undisclosed injury today. I think their bye week's coming up here, so he's only expected to be out. I think it's just kind of a way to give him a couple days here uh, while they go into the bye week. Josh Bailey, day to day right now with a lower body injury, missed a Sunday's game. Sounds a little bit serious. Sounds like he is going to miss some time, although that's not been confirmed. Uh, Doug Waite kind of just alluded to the fact that the original diagnosis wasn't ideal. Uh, So I would look for Bailey to miss some time, which is brutal, uh, because he's just been, you know, probably the steal of the draft right now. Uh, Andrew Ladd, also with the Islanders, day-to-day with an undisclosed injury. Not as important as Josh Bailey. Uh, And Sebastian Ajo, the... Hurricanes Sebastian Ajo, that is, is day-to-day with a lower body injury. No real update on him. They kind of just came out and said he left, uh, I believe, yesterday's game early. So uh, that is the injury report. A lot of really, really big names uh, when it comes to fantasy on that list. So that's why our second half wave wire pickup segment is going to be so, so important. So enjoy the Blue Stones. We'll see you guys back here in 60 seconds. And we got a lot of shit coming up. So, uh, yeah, sit tight.
Welcome back to Season 3, Episode 16 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Berthium. As always, we hope you enjoy those sweet licks from the Blue Stunes. Follow them on YouTube, <laughs> not Spotify or any other uh, social media music consuming platform. The old Blue Stunes. The Blue Stunes. Did I say Stunes? <laughs> Beavs, did I say Stunes? <laughs> yeah, you said Stunes. Uh, you said Stunes. But it's better than the, like the Blue Stools or like, something <sighs> like that. So, um, Sorry. But they are the Blue Stones, so check them out. Blue Stones. Hey, D, it's, you know what? It's been 24 New days. New Year, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe they changed the name. New Year, new name. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, moving right along. Blue Stones. Second half here, we got some, you know, the classic wave wire pickups coming up. Each got a forward defenseman and a goalie to throw at you guys. And then we're going to talk about the first 41 games, the first four, first half of the season. Uh, kind of get into our biggest uh, surprises and disappointments in the fantasy world so far kind of how we think it's all going to hash out in the second half uh beeps why don't you get us started man who is the forward you're looking at on the waiver wire right now um i have to admit i chose this guy half the reason is for his name um because it's just one of those fun names to say um but one of the hottest waiver wire pickups right now um and is um vinnie hinostroza um out in chicago crazy last name um i remember him playing i believe he was playing for the u.s in the world juniors a couple years ago um, had a decent tournament, but now he's up with Chicago and uh, he's playing with a couple of guys who are pretty good line mates. Uh, one goes by the name of Jonathan Taze, the other is Brandon Sod, and uh, and Hinnestroza is kind of he's kind of just he got plopped in that role um, as a winger. He's been playing great since. He's got seven points in his first ten career games um, since being called up, and two goals and two assists in his last two games. Um, so that's he's going to start getting picked up like crazy. But um, he's just someone who's, who's a product of what's around him. If you can play him, uh, pick him up for the week, he, he's going to make a good pickup. Just keep an eye on where he is in that lineup. But as long as he's on this line, he makes um, an excellent DraftKings play for one because he's going to be super cheap um, and also a, uh, a, a nice little fill-in for the bottom of your roster. Um, the guy also had a point per game going um, in the AHL before being named to the AHL All-Star game and then essentially being called up. So uh, so I, I like this guy for now. If he can keep that spot, um, it's a good fill at the end of your lineup. Yeah, and like the way he's playing right now, there's no reason for him to get bumped down either. They've been looking for yeah, somebody exactly. to play in that top line all year. And Last he, year's Richard Panic, really. Yeah, essentially. Um, but D, or sorry, Beebs, you were the one that just mentioned Brandon Sod's name, and it made me look into Jake Gensel's numbers because I, I know that we mocked you at the start of the year, and then you mocked us back when Gensel got hot. And now it's hilarious. Gensel has one more goal than Sod on the year. 12-10 and 10 for Sod and 13-10 and 10 for Gensel. Who would have thought Ooh. that they would both just be shit? <laughs> yeah, they're both not that good. That's Yeah, so basically I could have made the trade and there would have been no difference. Yeah, just a complete wash. They're both just terrible. But sticking but with Gensel's team, I'll go because yeah, I got Daniel Sprong at 12% owned. He is right wing eligible. Uh, Sprong was a second round pick in 2015. It's been uh, a player that the Penguins fan base has kind of been clamoring for uh, since you know, the start of the year, pretty much. Uh, he had ridiculous numbers in the QMJHL. Uh, it was right around a point per game uh, this year in his first full season in the AHL. Uh, it is, he played his fifth game with the Penguins tonight. Not sure what he did, although I'm sure I could bring it up in two seconds. I think he was held pointless, though. Yes, he was. Um, yeah, he was. Anyways, so he played his fifth game with the Penguins tonight, uh, but he came into the day with two goals, one assist, and 17 shots in his first four games. Uh, he was moved to Sidney Crosby's line um, and had an immediate impact, scoring two goals and one assist in Brooklyn on Friday night. 
And as everybody knows, Crosby's line mates are always highly coveted in fantasy circles. And as a talented offensive winger, uh, that's kind of a spot that Penguins have been looking to fill for seemingly forever. I don't know why. They get Sidney Crosby. You think it would be fairly easy. But apparently, it's a much more difficult task than anybody else would have expected. But it looks like Sprong, you know, given his skill set, uh, given what he's done so far on Crosby's line, it looks like you know, somebody that could stick there. Very similar to Biebs, your pickup with Henestroza. Uh, AHL score, Raider. They have literally almost the exact same AHL numbers. They're playing with great talent on the top lines of their respective teams. So as long as, you know, same as in the shows, as long as they're playing there, they're worth an ad. I mean, the way he's shooting the puck, that's the thing. You always look at guys that shoot the puck. He gets up there, he's playing with Crosby, he's not hesitant to shoot the puck. It's a good sign. So 18 shots in five games. I like it. Daniel Sprong, 12% owned. Get some. D. Uh, also agree, uh, but I'm going to dive right back into the Blackhawks right now. Um, talk about Nick Schmaltz, uh, that other top line in Chicago. Schmaltz currently just 18% owned in standard Yahoo leagues. He's put up 27 points in 36 games this season as a 21-year-old. He's already just one shy of the 28 he put up in 61 games last season as a rookie. Uh, his ice time has jumped up from 13 to 18 minutes a night, and it's been pretty quality ice time at that. Schmaltz has played 87% of his even strength minutes this year alongside Patrick Kane. 87%. That's crazy high. Uh, in that time together, the pair boasts 54% Corsi. Goals 4% is just 64%. Um, and, you know, playing on Kane's line has also meant Schmaltz has been mostly free of defensive responsibility. Currently, zone start percentage of 63.4%. And as of right now, he also finds himself on the Hawks' top power play unit. So there's just a lot of opportunity here for what seems to be a, you know, a pretty skilled young player. Um, the only reason I haven't mentioned him before, he doesn't rack up a ton of shots, which we love on this show. He's got just 57 and 36 games so far this year. Uh, but I, I think simply playing the middle of the ice on Patrick Kane's line, 18 minutes a night, should be enough to at least you know be a steady source of what we like to call contact points. Just being around Patrick Kane, he's picking up that same buzz. Um, so I, I like Schmaltz even with the lone center eligibility, which is well, I'm sure what has kept his uh, own percentage so low up to this point. Uh, so he should be available in most leagues right now at 18% if you got the room for him. Yeah, and the thing about Schmaltz, he's got four goals, four assists in his last six games. Anisimov is coming back probably next week, but the way he's playing right now with Kane, I don't think he's in any danger of losing that playing time. I think Anisimov will most likely just slot right back in for David Camp on the third line and play with Sharp and Debrinkat. So Schmaltz, definitely a worthwhile pickup, uh, but... I think it's you know it's worth mentioning. I would keep an eye just kind of on how those lines shake out, but I think that uh, Joe Quenville, Joel Quenville, would be nuts to take Schmaltz off that cane line because they've been extremely effective. Uh, so I like it too. I mean, it's it, it's wild that the Blackhawks have kind of just been like not that good this year, but that Taves and Kane, man, they'll always be able to just pull guys along with them and make them fantasy relevant. I think until the end of time at this point. But uh, moving, let's move on to the blue line here at Biebs. Uh, who do you like? Um, well, blue line was tough. I will start by saying that just because there's so many defensemen right now who are just on the cusp of, you know, 20% owned that you should probably just own whether they're hot or not. But I went with someone who's a bit more owned than someone we've talked about a couple times. But um, Ivan Provorov out in Philadelphia, currently 54% owned right now, which was um, low enough for me to consider uh, – you know, telling people to go pick him up because that means he's in half the leagues out there, which is crazy. Um, he's averaging 25 minutes a game throughout this year. Um, we've loved him just because he's been just eating up minutes out in Philly. 
Um, not the best team, and kind of it seems you know that they're they're giving Provorov, they're starting to give him opportunities, realizing that he is their their um, he's their defenseman of the future. He's on pace for 196 shots by year's end. Um, that's pretty good from a from a young defenseman, um, and and he has 20 points total this year, which is uh, that's not bad. If you're going to add him to the end of your lineup, he's definitely a guy who has a lot more upside than a lot of uh, fourth or third D men on teams, I believe. And Provorov's kind of stepping up as the D man to own in um in philly obviously ghost is is uh is a weapon out there too and and if Provorov can jump find his way onto that uh that first power play him couturier um Giroux, simmons i mean they're they're nasty and if you could find your way there you're just gonna as we've talked about before you're gonna get those extra points um and uh and i like Provorov a lot you just you know can't not talk about him they uh I think it was Pierre McGuire on uh, one broadcast called Provorov a future Norris Trophy winner. He's just that good. <laughs> but that's also Pierre McGuire, so we'll uh, we'll let that pa- we'll let that go. But I mean, that's does speak volumes. I mean, the guy does know what he's talking about a little bit. But uh, the one thing I will add—I mean, you touched on most of it there, Beavs. But the one thing I'll also add on Provorov is if you're in a league uh, that counts, you know, hits or even block shots or whatever, he averages uh, over two per game in both of those categories as well. So. Uh, I know I'm in a league with hits, and I have him, and he's you know bottom of the de- bottom of the you know roster type of defenseman, you know fourth defenseman, but he's he, he, he's steady, you know, doesn't give you a lot of minuses if your league counts out as well. He's really he he, he was actually like really good offensively at the start of the year, and was just ice cold for like almost a month, and then he just started picking it back up again. So. Uh, that's nice to see. He had a really good rookie year, too. I would expect a lot more offense out of him in the second half here. I, I like Provorov a lot, Biebs. Uh I'll go right with mine. Uh, sticking with the same division, Sammy Votnin in New Jersey, 21% owned. Uh, I talked about it a little bit earlier in the show about how guys kind of get traded, and they don't always have the most success you know, upon first arrival, and that was definitely, uh, you could put Votnin in that boat when he first arrived uh, with the Devils. Uh, he only had he had no points with only six shots on goal in his first eight games with the Devils, which is like pathetic, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> but since then, he's got one goal, five assists for six points, and has 27 shots on goal in his last nine games. Uh, that is a lot more of the Sammy Vatten we were used to seeing in Anaheim. I think he's carved out a really nice role. He's playing over 21 minutes a night with over two minutes on the power play every evening. He's carving a really nice role in that back end. Uh, the, the the Devils are leaning on him pretty heavily, and I mean now that he's he, he went from averaging like no shots per game pretty much to you know, three shots per game uh, over the last couple of weeks, which is really nice. He's obviously we talked about it. I think uh, we all agree that he's pretty overrated uh, when it comes to actual hockey. You know, in, in terms of playing at both ends of the ice, but uh, there's no denying that he is an offensive talent for sure. Uh, and all of his advanced numbers have improved uh, since arriving in New Jersey. So there's a chance that he will be even better uh, than he has shown so far now that he's you know comfortable uh, in his new thread. So I like Vatting going forward as kind of a bottom of the roster guy as well. Uh, but D, on the blue line, who, do you, uh, who are you looking at? Uh, I'm going to go, all, you know, uh, again, like Biebs, kind of a little more high-owned than we're used to, or used to targeting here. Uh, Eric Johnson in Colorado. There's not a whole lot to say here. I think it's a fairly obvious pickup on a wire that's pretty weak for blue line options right now. Uh, certainly would have been a lot more useful suggestion had we recorded before the weekend when Johnson's ownership still sat below 30%. Uh, it jumped up to 47% now. Unfortunate, but should still be available in a decent amount of leagues. Uh, 
And, you know, we talked about it a lot already in this show, so I won't dwell on it too much, but that top line is just too good right now. And as long as Barry is out, which should be another, what do we say, three to five weeks, Brock? Um, Johnson should be a steady source of offense. Nothing crazy. He's gotten four points in six games since Barry's injury, and it's probably about the pace you should expect. Um, nothing spectacular in his own right. We know that at this point in his career, but he's playing over 25 minutes a night right now and on the top power play unit with the McKinnon line. Um you know, just to show you, before the Barry injury, only 37% of that top line's minutes was spent with Johnson on the ice. Since the Barry injury, that number is all the way up to 62%, and that's across all situations. Um, so that jump alone should be enough for Johnson to sustain some fantasy value in Barry's absence. So I like him as a good pickup right now if he's still available, and you could use a little back-end help on your blue line. Yeah, and another guy I want to mention, uh, you guys kind of mentioned how you talked about some guys a little bit higher own percentage, so I'm going to go back to that as well. Ryan Ellis, I talked about him, I think, on our last show before the break. Uh, he's still only 59% owned, just returned from injury. Does have one goal, one assist, uh, and six shots on goal in his first three games back. They've kind of uh, eased him back into the lineup. He's only averaging just uh, just over 18 minutes per night. He's actually not seeing any power play time at all right now. Uh, but obviously this is Ryan Ellis we're talking about. That's what he does. That will change. I assume that he'll either uh, slot in next to P.K. Subban. On the, they don't really have a one or two unit. They just have two really good units. But uh, he'll either slot in next to uh, Subban and play on that unit, or I think he'll just end up replacing Matthias Ekholm on the Yossi unit at some point or another. So I really like Ryan Ellis going forward. Obvious uh, for you know all the obvious reasons I talked about him a couple episodes ago, but still only fifty nine percent. He should definitely be owned in almost every single league. He does everything. He hits. He blocks shots. He does it all. Um, and then I, another guy too, Ryan Kessler. Uh, he's played pretty well since returning to the the Ducks lineup. Same type of same type of deal. Does a little bit of everything. Still you know only fifty nine percent owned as well. And another guy who just returned from injury, not getting any love, is Zach Parise. We all know how good Parise used to be. His numbers have fallen off a little bit in Minnesota, but he's returned in a nice offensive role. I think he's playing with Eric Stahl. He's got three shots in every single game uh, he's played so far. So there will be offense to come out of Zach Parise, and he, as well, only sits at 54% owned. So all three of those guys hovering right around 55 to 60% owned, and all should be owned in various leagues. You know, they kind of all, aside from Parise, but like Kessler and... Ellis even, uh, they, they block shots, they hit as well. So they have, you know, even more value. But uh, let's look at the, the guys between the pipes here, Beebs. What do you like? Um, I went kind of with an easy approach right now. There's a lot of goalies going down, as we saw with our extensive injury approach. Um, and, and kind of a tricky situation right now out in Chicago. But I do like um, kind of abusing their, uh, their kind of weird goalie tandem that they have going on right now. Uh, as we talked about, Corey Crawford might be out for a long time. Um, we don't want to make anything, or we don't want to say anything, but as Dee said, usually it involves concussions, and if that's the case, he could be out for a while. Um, and right now, uh, I was going to come in saying Jeff Glass, pick him up, but then Anton Forsberg came out and 
picked up a 37 save 4-1 win today. Um, and I think they're kind of just going to ride the hot hand in Chicago right now. So basically for uh, for tonight um, and going into tomorrow, um, they've, they've kind of hinted at Forsberg starting on Tuesday. I like Forsberg a lot. Um, I, I like any goalie starting between Chicago's pipes at least better than, you know, playing a low end um, tendy. They might not necessarily save your stats either of these guys. They're not going to boost up your plus or your, uh, I apologize. They're not going to boost up your save percentage. They're not going to boost up your goals um, your goals against, but they'll keep it average, and that's sometimes just what you need at this point, especially if you're losing a lot of injuries um, and injured goalies. So just for me right now, it's Forsberg, but keep an eye on it. If he ends up losing on Tuesday, probably go pick up Glass for the next start. Yeah, and the one thing, uh, especially right now when you're looking at it, this is a really, really crucial time to be at least picking up goaltenders, uh, you know, players too. You got to look ahead. Definitely go to dailyfaceoff.com, use our weekly schedule because bye weeks are starting and you're going to have guys like if you if you own John Gibson, one game next week. Duke Rask, one game. Ben Bishop, yeah. one game. Jonathan Quick, one game. Carey Price, one game. Rene, one game. Schneider, one game. Nobody owns Islanders goalies because they suck. Martin Jones or Dell, one game. <laughs> St. Louis, one Like tons of teams on the bye week next week. But... One of the few teams that does not have a bye week next week is Chicago. So that's something worth, you know, even if they split their four games next week, you're still getting two starts out of Glass or Forsberg. Not that they are Jonathan Quick, but they are still, you know, they have two cracks at getting a W there. Um, before we just dive into the rest of the goalies here, I would like to just mention that Calgary has four games. Carolina has four games. Minnesota has four games. And that is it. Washington and Winnipeg as well as Vancouver play three respectively. But um, so there are options out there, but definitely these, this is the time you really need to be checking out the, the schedule, making sure you don't have, you know, if you own quick and, and, and I can't remember who Gibson in a league, like you got two starts between the two of them next week. No starts. So time. definitely yeah, you might not be under minimum. Yeah. So make sure, you know, when you listen to this in the morning on Monday, check out the schedule, plan out to make sure you at least get enough starts across the board. Uh, but D who do you like between the pipes right now? Uh, I'm going to talk about the Pens and, you know, just in the same breath, Brock, I'm pretty sure they got two games this week. Yeah, um, they have the, it is their bye week still, right. but they still, they but, have two games at the end of the week. Right, yeah. they're playing back-to-back Saturday, Sunday, so likely only to get one start from each of the goalies this week as well if you have Jari or Matt Murray. But I'm going to talk about uh, Tristan Jari right now, just 21% owned somehow. Um, you know, Matt Murray's struggles have been well-documented this season. Uh, Jari is starting to emerge as a real threat to his playing time. Heading into Sunday night, Jari posted a has posted a 2.17 goals against average and a 9.28 save percentage this season. Uh, didn't have the best start tonight, I believe. I think it was like 5-5 in overtime last I saw that game. Um, so, yeah, obviously this is coming as, you know, I'll take what I'm saying here with a grain of salt. But uh, tonight was the first night all season that Mike Sullivan opted to go back to Jari in two consecutive games over a healthy Matt Murray. Um, so, you know, Sullivan justified it saying right now that, uh, in quotes, we're focused on winning that game right in front of us. So, in other words, Sullivan believes right now that Jari gives the Pens the best chance to win. Um, so who knows if that's going to continue. Obviously, like I said, Jari didn't have the best game, but a tough assignment against the Bruins right now, um, certainly. And, uh, you know, unfortunately right now, as we just talked about, the Pens go off on their six-day break after tonight's game. But luckily for Jari, they have two back-to-backs on January 13th, 14th, and then the 17th, 18th next week once they return. 
Um, so that all but ensures Jari at least two more starts to kind of continue proving himself. And I think if he outplays Murray in those in over those four games, you can really expect this trend to continue. Um, so just watch the Pens' next four games and specifically their goaltenders play very closely because I think it's kind of going to depict what happens moving forward. Yeah, he got yanked tonight. Murray ended up getting the W in overtime. But like you said, two back-to-backs, he will get playing time. Um, and, and you know what? The one thing, too, is that and we've talked about this on the show you know, before, that the Penguins are one of those teams that like to just kind of limit their, the workload of not just their goalies, but their players too. Like if you're a little bit nicked up and you're Sidney Crosby, you'll sit out. And, and that's, you know, they've been used to, Murray's been used to playing 40 games behind Fleury. Like they, they play, they like the split time there. So I think that that's, Jari's shown himself to be more than capable. So I think that even just going forward, they are going to just try to limit Murray. I think, you know, obviously based on what he's done in the playoffs the last two years, he's definitely their guy going into the playoffs. But I mean, we've seen from the Pens before that they're not, you know, necessarily scared to deviate from those type of game plans. Especially, I think, no. you know, when you're, especially, you know, compare uh, the experience Flurry had for the team. At the time when they exactly. made that switch, it's obviously uh, you know way more abundant than what Murray has to this point. For sure, and and just to even help Jari's point even further is just the fact that Murray really has not been very good this year. Yeah. Um. So and that, there, that's what I'm saying. This, this next four games are so huge for sure. For sure. Because you're really gonna get a solid look at both of them. Um. And I wrote this all up before the game tonight, which certainly doesn't help his case at all. Um, like I but said, he's been was, good all year. Yeah, and it's a good sign that he's willing to go back to him uh, in consecutive games despite having a healthy Matt Murray right there. I think it speaks volumes, and it definitely sends a message to Murray. Um, so we'll see what happens you know, after him, after Jari getting pulled tonight. But like I said, definitely a situation worth monitoring. Uh, and if he can you know, steal even half the starts in Pittsburgh down the stretch, uh, I don't think i got to spell out for you guys the fantasy value that would bring Jari playing for a team like Pittsburgh. Especially because they're bound to have some more lucky bounces here in the second half. They've been like the least lucky team in the history of hockey through the first half For of the sure. season. And they don't have a third uh, line, so. <laughs> no. But, yeah, very true. and we talked about it in the, in the past as well. Jari, like they, they think a lot about Jari. They, they, they're confident in him. He's one of the main reasons they let Fleury go in the expansion draft, among other things. But uh, they were confident in, in, in a Murray-Yari uh, duo. Going forward, I got a couple guys. I'm not even going to really talk about them too much. Uh, but Carter Hutton's very obvious candidate. We talked about uh, Jake Allen's struggles and how Carter Hutton's really been great for the Blues. Uh, he's at 40% owned, so I mean he's not available in a ton of leagues. I, given what Jake Allen did today, I'm not going to be surprised if Hutton gets the one start next week. Uh, they play the Panthers on Tuesday. Pretty good matchup on home ice for Hutton. He's almost uh, guaranteed to start that contest. Uh, I also really, like, just based off the schedule alone, um, I also really think that you should look into Alex Stalock. He is not the greatest goalie in the league, but he's played pretty well this year, uh, surprisingly, after kind of a couple of rough years there in San Jose. I think the Leafs didn't even it's give him a chance. Literally did not like, give him a chance. The Marlies didn't give him a chance. No, and uh, yeah, exactly. And Dubnik got yanked in his last start. He hasn't been... Great, but the real reason is the Wild have two back-to-back sets next week. They're one of the lone teams that play four games. So, Salok could see two starts next week, and the Wild are healthy right now. They just got thumped by the Avalanche, but prior to that, they were just dominating teams. Um, so, I, you know, the Wild are one of the better teams in the West. They got 
three out of four home games next week, I think that Saylock should see two starts. So he's a guy worth considering as well. Um, but if you're looking at like a little bit further down the line, not just at next week, uh, a guy that I really like as a third net miner, and this might come as a surprise to some people, but I like Antti Ranta uh, in Arizona. Like I mentioned with Vadin, he had a slow start with his new team as well, albeit he was traded in the offseason. Not quite the same as, as uh, Vatnin, but injuries slowed him down to start the year. But Ranta has looked a lot better as of late. Uh, and it's not just Ranta either. It's the Coyotes as a whole. They, they've improved yeah, quite a bit. They, they're coming, yeah, they are coming around quite a bit. They're playing a lot better hockey. They're still no world beaters, that's for sure. One of the worst teams in the league. But over his last four starts, Ranta's posted a 930 save percentage going 2-1-1 one, one in the process. Uh, the way I look at it, he's a very solid number three fantasy net miner. You got, you know, you got a couple two two other good net miners. Plug him in as number three and just be cautious with his matchups. Arizona is going to go out and get absolutely throttled every now and again. It's just going to happen. They're young, they're inexperienced, they're not good. But Ranta is a good goalie. If you play his matchups correctly, you can really milk this guy for all it's worth, and you can get a 920, 925 save percentage of this guy as long as you just are careful with who you stick him in the lineup against and who you bench him. Play it right, you'll be okay. Play him wrong, you're going to get burned. So I think, though, like there's not a lot of guys that you, you're guaranteed. The thing about him is you're guaranteed starts constantly. He's going to play a ton. And as long as you play your cards right, you'll be all right. So I like Grant as a solid number three. But let's take a look back now. Let's go back in the future a little bit here. Look back at the first half of the season. I can't believe it's already January 2018. We're looking at the first half of the NHL season. It has absolutely flown by, as it does every single season. All three of us are getting ready here to uh, get our fantasy baseball knowledge cranked up and get a daily dugout draft kit together obviously not gonna be as extensive as the daily face-off one because you know we're still starting over there and it's still the middle of the hockey season but if you are a baseball fan this is a good time to plug daily dugout the daily face-off version of fantasy baseball so be sure to check that out this year we are the three of us are putting together a, a nice draft kit to kind of help you decide who you want who you don't want in fantasy baseball this year because like i said it's already january baseball is around the corner a couple months away here so but beebs let's start with you bud back to fantasy hockey looking back at the first half here biggest surprise for you from a fantasy perspective obviously we can talk about how the vegas golden knights are an expansion team and they're virtually god on ice but from a fantasy perspective an individual player biggest surprise for you in the first half uh, for me, it's someone who, uh, maybe it's just because I've enjoyed the benefits of this person so much, but um, Sean Couturier out in Philadelphia has really taken a huge step forward this year um, and become an absolutely absolute beast through the first half um, of the season. Through 42 games, he has 23 goals and 42 points, um, 15 of which, or, or I apologize, um, five which are power play goals, eight power play points um he's become the number one center in philadelphia and he's and if he could put up a point per game for the season this is a guy who no one was drafting before the year and why would they um he's already passed his career high in goals um goals and points already and we're only at game number 42 uh he's clearly having a breakout season stepping out we talk about him all the time but um but i just could not not give him the respect he deserves this year for a guy that everyone would have gotten for free really as a good waiver pickup um he is now one of the top centers in the game as far as fantasy goes for the first half um if 
we probably won't keep it up, but um, but he has been a, a, a super nice fill-in for a lot of rosters, and I know I've reaped the benefits. And it's um, it's it's basically a free top twenty pick um off the waivers, and uh, yeah, thank you, Sean Couturier. You know, it's funny. I saw a tweet today because he had I think he had another two goal game today, and yeah, somebody tweeted out, and it was just like uh, somebody from Flyers Nation, and they were like, "Remember when somebody just called this a hot streak?" For Couturier, he's been lights out. Not and either. I'm not going to even go into it. I've already said everything I've needed to say about Couturier over the, over the uh, season so far. Somebody I've always enjoyed uh, watching. And, you know, the, the other thing, too, like, I, I, I guess in the same breath as Couturier, you can say Claude Giroux. What a bounce-back year he's had. Yeah, but he was actually drafted. That's well, that, yo, know, for sure, but he's still sitting third in the NHL in points, which, you know, is kind of a return to glory for him because he... Uh, had fallen off the last couple of years after being an, an absolute fancy stud for a few years uh, prior. So good for you know the Flyers, but you know what they are basically the Bruins in October, just a one line team, and uh, they oh yeah they just you know they have broken up that first line. They they we talked about it, and then it happened like right after that episode. But they still have Giroux and Couturier together, which is great. And you know Konechny really hasn't done much on that line, which is kind of unfortunate. I thought he would, but. Yeah, he hasn't done a whole heck of a lot. But uh, D, biggest fantasy surprise for you? Uh, I'm going to, you know, rip through a couple of the top tier guys so far this year. Nathan McKinnon, for one, you know, now what, the third time we're talking about him on this show. But uh, super fun. He's got 52 points in 41 games this year. He had 53 and 82 last year. Um, So just a huge step forward for McKinnon's game this year. It's a big year for him, too. It was kind of like the will he, won't he. Um, is he more of a top six guy? Is he a top five player in the league? Certainly looks like the latter at this point. Um, I think the shooting percentage has played a big part in that, and I don't know how sustainable it is moving forward. Uh, but still, McKinnon's put himself in a spot right now where he can kind of coast to 82 points, which certainly would not have expected at the start of the year. So big ups to him. Um, and then Nikita Kucherov, <laughs> you know, we all kind of expect you'd expected some top tier production from, uh, from Kucherov this season something to just at the very least validate the 85 he put up last year. But to say I could have imagined anything even close to 58 points at the halfway mark is, you know, it's just crazy, man. Absurd. The guy's on pace for 116 points. Um, and it's kind of, you know, uprooted Stamkos as the hands down best player on that team, if you can believe it. Um, so yeah, big ups to Kucherov as well. Um, and then Brock Besser, you know, this is a guy going in the last round of most fantasy drafts this year. Uh, certainly didn't expect him to have anywhere near this kind of impact right now. Again, another guy who's probably bound to regress a little bit, uh, but he's shown to be nothing but an absolute uh, sniper and great goal scorer. So 22 goals in his first 38 games this year. Um, Like I said, maybe expect that to tail off, but certainly looks like he'll be uh, a top talent and a top threat to score in this league for years to come. So those three guys all, you know, generally uh, nice surprises this year. Yeah, the one thing about McKinnon was like everybody expected that breakout. Expected that breakout. Expected Two years breakout. ago, it just and it yeah, just wasn't years. happening. It wasn't happening. And I even I wrote this summarized as like he is not elite, but like he has all the tools. But he just like everybody just expected Colorado to just be so trash that it wasn't going to matter how good he was. But he's elevated his game into this just elite player that has been capable of carrying a team and it's just been phenomenal he's been just exceptional every bit every bit of an elite player right now 
him and Rand are together in Landis Cog. Actually, I always leave Landis Cog off. But yeah, well, that's what that, we talked about it. Just, um, I mean, what was he at right now? He's at like 150 shots already, or I don't know if it's that extreme. Yeah, it's something ridiculous, right? Uh, 136. Yeah, 100. That's McKinnon, right? Yeah. Yeah. So just absurd. Um, the guy looks like he's you know going to be a threat to almost get to 300 shots this year, and then you look at Landis Cog up around three shots a game for the first time in how long. Um, that's really kind of been a disappointing trend for in the last couple seasons. So to see Landis, that was, that was our lone knock on him at the start of the year was just like, he stopped shooting. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, it's been a combination of he's shooting the puck more. Uh, and again, he's obviously, you know, shooting 17% right now, career average of 10. So expect that to fall back a little bit, but we're talking about a difference of maybe two or three goals at this point. So certainly a nice start for Landis Cog nonetheless. And yeah, obviously that McKinnon's the biggest part of that, but still, you know, uh, props to him as well kind of a guy who you know getting uh probably torn apart in the media for a good part uh, last summer uh you know contemplated whether or not they should move him along with duchene so uh, just just big us landis cog and that whole top line but uh, you know, especially him kind of hanging around and seemingly figuring it out um yeah like a big big believer in colorado moving forward not this season uh not just this season but you know like i said they seem like you can kind of you know start picturing uh the two or three pieces away they are from being a real contender which is a far cry from where they were last season oh my god yeah the the crazy thing about landis cog he's get he's project not projected on pace sorry i should say to get back over 200 shots like you said 270 in his rookie year which was just wild he had a great rookie year but he had 200 uh you know in all the full seasons after that until the last two years he's already um one point off his season total from last year after playing just set 37 games versus 72 last year so Massive bounce back. Uh, yeah, a lot of people question whether or not, you know, they named him captain too young or whatever. And it's just, he's, he's kind of put all that to rest, which is nice to see. Uh, but let's move back out east for my my pick here for biggest fantasy surprise so far. And that's Josh Bailey. Bailey's always been an extremely steady, nice bottom of the roster player uh, who had a really nice season last year. He played very well last year. Best year of his career. But this year, though, insane. Playing on one of the best lines in hockey. He's become one of the most reliable wingers in fantasy hockey. And he's almost surpassed his previous career highs in goals and assists in just 42 games. Absolutely love it. That top line is so much fun to watch. They're so dominant. Um, But let's just hope his injury isn't too serious because I love watching them do work. Plus, I got Tavares in a lot of leagues. And I think Bailey helps him quite a bit because he's a hell of a playmaker. But just... The, the apples this guy provides is just night in and night out just on absolute fire so hopefully the injury isn't too serious because replacing josh bailey wins earlier yes uh with alan quine doesn't do a whole lot for me but again doesn't sound like doesn't sound like the ideal thing going forward sounds like he might miss uh, a little bit of time but uh biggest disappointment other end of the spectrum here beebs who has just been pissing um, you off Someone who we kind of, I've already talked about him um, early on, but Matt Duchesne has been a huge disappointment just to everyone um, altogether. Uh, Even his parents. His parents are disappointed. He's he's just been struggling. His grandparents? As you mentioned. uh, Nah, they're they're not impressed. Um, They're like, come on, Matt. But uh, see what they gave up for you? But anyways, uh, he's got nine goals, eight assists on the season. That's um, not even warranting any type of fantasy owning. Um, five goals, four assists in 25 games since going to Ottawa. As you mentioned, he had a super hot weekend too. So that's um, that's nine points with a four-point weekend added in there. Um, so before that, he had five points in I'm pretty sure it's 22 games or something along those lines, um, which is just 
just awful. Um, but yeah, but for basically the thing about Matt Duchesne that was the biggest disappointment was as people were drafting him this year, they expected him to be traded, but a lot of people, myself included, expected him to go somewhere where he would progress, not regress. And um, and I think it's that regress that's really made people, you know, kind of regret picking him out of out of the gate. Um, he definitely is one of the guys who could have a bigger bounce back in the second half. Um, he's going to be in nice positions as a scorer. We've talked about him being a good scorer, but so far this year, he's just been the worst for everyone. So, um, so Matt Duchesne, you are my biggest disappointment. Yeah, that was the one thing that Duchesne. I mean, not the one thing he had going for him because he was a talented player prior to this year, apparently, but just can't get it done this year. Um, but no, everybody drafted him because with the expectation that he was going to get dealt, and it was like, oh, he's going to get dealt to this contender, and he's going to be a stud again. Contender. What? Yeah. <laughs> the worst team in the league? Yeah. Crazy. Kind but, of. yeah, it's been bad. I, I still – I do have hope for Duchesne going forward. I got I none. Think the Sens, I think the Sens are going to right the ship a little bit. But, I mean, like right now, you're right, Beebs. Like he's borderline on rosterable. He's been so terrible. Like coming into this weekend, I think he had six points in 23 games. Like Justin Abdelkader had more points. I thought he did a pretty yeah, good job over the last three years of showing us that he can't really carry a line on his own, so I don't get why the Senators can't figure that out. The Sens just thought they, they're like, we could yeah, change Yeah, it's him. nice it, that they finally gave it, him Hoffman or something to play with, but f- man. If, you, if we could see that from the outside looking in, watching on TV, like how do these scouts and shit not see that? I think they did. Like, uh, you know, a lot, we talked about it, a lot of that move. Um And we suggested even before all the reports about Melnick came out, but it was definitely a move... Uh, if not orchestrated, at the very least influenced by ownership, simply the contracts, you know, tourists coming off, uh, coming into a contract year, Duchesne locked up on, you know, a relatively team friendly, not team friendly, but at least doesn't have to worry about making a long-term financial commitment. Um, so yeah, that was the driving force behind that deal, I think. So it could have even been a, a case where management wasn't, uh, you know, completely convinced that Duchesne was the better option, but simply, uh, the more affordable Money. option and exactly what they needed to do moving forward to keep their ownership happy, uh, which is unfortunate for the fans. Anytime you have money and financial implications, you know, affecting uh, the personnel decisions to that degree, it's got to be frustrating. Um, and, you know, watching Shane rack up 10 points in 26 games since the trade can't be easing those uh, frustrations at all. No, and Eugene Melnick is basically just an the worst. Clown. He's an absolute clown. Yeah, no. Um, but the one, the one thing, like, going back to it really quick, not really fantasy relevant, but the quote that sticks out for me was Turris. Yeah. Right after the trade, he literally said, I think management did want to sign me, but the owner didn't. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> like that's f- flat out what he said. He's like, well, yeah, they wanted me there, yeah, but the really owner just did not want to pay me. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it, it, you know, Melnick's just an absolute tool bag and he's probably going to move them out of Ottawa, which is just a crying shame. And it's, Duchesne. Oh, just hope Carlson just can get out of there in time. Even, that'll oh, be I know. Bigger disappointment. Carlson's just going to get so much money somewhere else. There's no way they pay that guy. No, I don't think so either. Hopefully he comes to Detroit. Mm, wait, wait. Why? Because he's uh, Swedish? Is not, that like the only logic behind it? That's the only that's logic. Okay, yeah, next, Nick, next Nick Lindstrom. That's the only thing I have. To, the only thing I have to back that. Let's be for real. He's the best Swedish. Who's your guys' of disappointments? <laughs> we're not going into those talks. <laughs> well, we're going. We're, we're we're halfway there. But no, we're not going there. Uh, but uh, <laughs> for me, biggest fantasy disappointment has been Jonathan Drouet. Uh Basically, there's been a zillion players that have been disappointments this year. It seems like there's more bust this year than ever. But uh, we could talk about Max Pacioretty in Montreal as well. But 
at least Pacioretty's seemingly trying. Max Pacioretty's getting unlucky, ball being disappointment. He's firing the puck like crazy. He's still getting his opportunities. It just won't go in for him. So I'm not going to go down Pacioretty lane. I don't like Drouin because he returned home to be the number one center that they desperately needed after a really good year in Tampa Bay. Expectations were sky high, not only in Montreal, but fantasy owners like, holy shit, if he could do this last year, now he's number one center, he's going to play 20 minutes a night, what's he going to do this year? All that shit, none of it's happened. And he's completely fell flat on his face, five goals, 13 assists in 36 games, like whatever. I'm over it. I'm over Drouin. I'm over it. That's it. I just he's a, he's he's been terrible. He's just been flat out bad. But yeah, that team has been flat out bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sell that team. To, to your point, Brock. Joanne has not gotten to twenty minutes a night. He's right around the ice time he had last year. Just yeah, I know, yeah, for sure. And not what we expected. Um, and then yeah, shooting five point seven percent on ice, five point one percent negative relative possession player. It's been a struggle for Joanne for sure. Um, but it kind of leads right into my disappointment, the most obvious one. Thank you guys for leaving it to me. Max Pacioretty, we can't get through the segment without talking about him. Um, well, I did. I just I just didn't want to go there because yeah. at least he's trying. Well, I'll go there. He's got <laughs> – he had at least 30 goals and 60 points the last four years, five if you don't count the lockout short in season. Um, seemed as safe of a lock as they come at the left wing position. And just 21 points in 41 games this year. He's on pace for career lows and personal on-ice shooting percentage, which has certainly played into what's happened so far. Um, still on pace for over 300 shots, which, you know, the whole thing's just a little mind-boggling. Could up, could put up career high in shots and, you know, not a career low in goals, but certainly the lowest we've seen from him in the last four or five years. Um, but, you know, I'm going to move this right into who I think is going to bounce back in the second half because, to me, I just can't get away from Pacioretty. I'm going right back to him. Um, we've been saying it all year, but you know, this guy is just absolutely due to bounce back. He's the same player that he's still, what he just can't put the puck in the net. Like I said, he's on a pace for career high, 318 shots, uh, just, and on pace for just 18 goals. That's not going to happen. Like it can't happen. 18 on 318 shots. It's crazy. He's shooting 5.7%, uh, just over half his career percentage at 10.9. It would be the lowest shooting percentage since his rookie season. Possession numbers are fine. They haven't wavered from where they were at last year. He's been the most snake-bitten player in the league, and it has to turn around, at least to some degree. It can't continue at this half-point pace. He's just too good, and he's still creating too many chances and too much offense for that to happen. Uh, I just can't imagine playing out the second half of this season and not going off at some point. He's well overdue. I know it. You guys know it. He knows it. It's going to happen. Got to believe in Pacioretty. I think he's coming back. Uh, if you haven't tried yet, Go try to get him right now. Uh, sounds like it's what other NHL Values teams are doing. I bet you Bergeron budges and moves them, <laughs> which, you know, any, anywhere can't be. There's not a place that could probably be a worse spot than Montreal right now. Just not a lot of secondary help for him. We talked about, you know, Drew and him falling flat on his face, as Brock said. So just not a lot of help in Montreal right now. It's not looking good, but he's still doing it himself, shooting the puck as much, if not more than ever. Uh, and there's no way this pace continues. Even if it doesn't get all the way better, it's got to at least get a little bit better. Yeah, no, it, it, it's getting better for sure. It has to, has to improve. And yeah, your your uh, quote tweet the other day was the best. Like, oh, of course, of course, Montreal would trade yeah. this guy as lowest value. It makes right on time. They're... Right on time. The reports of Montreal getting trade or talking trade with Patrick. Yeah, because why he not? He has right? scored. He has scored two goals in his last two games, which is nice. So it's coming around. It has to. Yeah. I, I have I, I literally in every single one of my leagues right now I have an offer out for Max Pacioretty. So 
I believe I you know I believe in what you say, and I'm I'm buying in full. I'm you know I'm all in on Patch Ready yeah, coming. Back. I kind of. T- I kind of took the same approach for my guy who's supposed to have a second half turnaround, um, and I took Jeff Skinner, who's same thing as Pacioretty. He's just not quite shooting at um, the levels that we've seen him shoot at in his career. Currently has 145 shots on net, um, but that's only at 9% shooting. Um, basically, that, that puts him ninth in league for shots on net. He's been getting the puck there. It's just the luck hasn't been there. Um, Skinner's struggled out of the gate with only 28 points so far through the first 41 games. But that still has him on pace for um, for 56 points in general or in total, which is only seven off of last year. It's just we really expected him to um, to kind of get become even more of a scorer and become that elite piece in Carolina this year. He really hasn't, but I don't think he's far off of getting there. Um, this is a team that I do expect to be um, explosive in the second half. Oh yeah, it's seemingly starting to click. Here comes the hurricane. Um, Brock's. Yeah, Brock's favorite guys. Um, Jeff Skinner, though, he's my turnaround guy. If you can buy him low now, it's the time to do it. Except for the fact that they just got absolutely throttled by Patrice Bergeron yesterday. Yeah, How about that? Exactly. How many people can say that, eh? Yeah. Got yeah by a no, I agree, though. Hurricanes have been one of the best possession teams in the league all season. Uh, and Skinner's definitely been a big part of that. 55.7 possession rating right now at even strength. Um, so, yeah, I agree, Biebs percentages have been low i'd expect them to turn around to some degree um and you'd hope you'd hope that they figure out their goaltending to some degree because that's obviously held the team out a lot and it's really played a, a huge role in that minus 17 skinner's rocking um so yeah i don't know what the answer is in carolina as far as goaltending goes it doesn't seem to be scott darling unfortunately i don't think it's cam it was, ward it, it was cam ward for a minute there like he was <laughs> oh, just on fire for, and then, for a hot minute every, and then anyone, he ran into patrice Bergie. Any goalie can turn back the clock for a game or two, man. It, you know what I mean? He was like, he won like seven of eight, dude. No. He was on fire. I said a game or two or seven, right? That's what I said. <laughs> or seven. Game or seven. Dude. <laughs> Brock, who's your uh, who's your deal appreciate deal appreciate this one just because, you know, it's the boy. Or one of his many boys in Toronto. But William Nylander for me, uh Nylander really did have a tough start to the year. Spent some time on the fourth line inexplicably. I'm not really sure why. Uh, but he's ready for a massive second half. He he picked up just 21 points in his first 32 games, which, I mean, isn't terrible, but not really close to what everybody expected for him coming into the year. But since then, he landed nine points in his last nine games and appears locked in to a line with Austin Matthews. Obviously, if there's any one of those centers you want to play with in Toronto, it's Austin Matthews. The Maple Leafs clearly have one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, and I don't know the exact number. I'm pulling a D here where I have something kicking in the back of my brain, but I don't know the numbers right on cue. But I know for certain that they have a massive amount of games against the Atlantic Division in the second half of their season. Oh, my God, and the Atlantic Division is so bad. Outside of Tampa and Boston and Toronto, that division is absolutely dog shit. So Willie is going to feast. So I like Willie yep. to have a huge second half here coming in. What uh, Start of January, boys. He's ready to go. He's been great lately. Yeah, well, I mean, Matthews yeah. has been back, right? He missed whatever it was, four or five, six games. I can't remember. Well, yeah, and, he's not, and he's not playing with Matt Martin anymore. Dude, yeah, and yeah, like – for a team or a guy that a guy of that Babcock that likes to blend and kind of mix lines as much as he has, uh, since Matthews has came back, he, him and Nealer have been together almost every minute of every single game. Um, oh yeah, it seems like Babcock's kind of off the notion of getting Nealer to drive his own bus 
um, at least this season, which I think is fine, especially while he's on the wing. Um, and the least have the depth right now where you don't need to, you know, forcefully no, balance out not. your lines like that. You're fine with having Kadri, Marlo, Komarov as your third line, as much as it hurts Kadri, sorry, Naz. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree, Brock. He's been, I think, almost pointing game since Matthews has come back. I expect that to continue. Um, yeah, I think it's a good pickup moving forward at a relatively thin position. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to segue off that Willie because it's way too easy for this one too. But um, but my regress in the second half is William Carlson. So another <laughs> Willie, but out in, out in, uh, out in Vegas, Willie. Um, as we know, William Carlson has had a great start to this year. Um, he has 21 goals through 40 games. He's been part of uh, that line that's just been fueling that team with March Soul and Riley Smith. Um, but one thing about um, William Carlson is he is shooting 26% on the year. As we know, um, it's pretty impossible to score on every four shots. Maybe not impossible, but it's very unlikely, especially if you're going to score you know, where he is around the 30-goal pace. Um, I, I still have him on pace to get – or I have him finishing with 55 points. That would be 20 points through his last 40 games, um, which really if you're going to have a guy on your roster with 20 points through 40 games, that's a bottom-of-your-roster guy. Um, certainly someone you could trade now, I believe. I I I believe in Vegas, but I don't believe in Vegas. They're not this good. Um, I'm going to continue to say it, and when they do regress, this is going to be one of the key pieces. And you can't shoot 26. percent So, yeah, yeah. I remember I remember in the pre-show when I said I was picking Willie to be my second half big dog. You thought I was talking about your Willie, but I was talking <laughs> about my Willie. Yeah. yeah, it was a little unimpressed at first, but. Uh, no, I, I agree, Beebs. I'm going in the same breath. I'm actually going to mention a trio of guys out in Vegas, Carlson being one of them. Uh, Eric Halla, William Carlson, Riley Smith. All these guys shooting above their career averages, Halla and Carlson significantly so, and all of them around 12% of an on-ice shooting percentage. None of them on pace for more than 200 shots. So just a bunch of red flags of all these guys. Uh, I'm getting pretty tired of betting against Vegas and them just coming <laughs> I and outplaying team I'm after team. Up. It seems the more you expect Vegas to cool down, the hotter they get. Uh, but I just can't in any good conscience recommend these guys moving forward. They're still the most obvious regression candidates out there right now to me. And, you know, if you notice, I'm not lumping our boy Jonathan March so in there with these three. Uh, he's been nope. terrific this season and certainly seems more sustainable than the rest. He's on pace for 288 shots and 86 points. What? That's crazy. That's our boy. Uh, and, yeah, like I said, doing it at a much more sustainable rate than his teammates. Seems to be the most legit talent on this team. Recently assigned a six-year extension. Good shit, George McPhee. Five million annual average. Could end up being a steal for the Golden Knights. Uh, how about that deal with the Panthers, eh? Might be the best one he's made so far. Um, oh, my God. So ridiculous. I'm pretty sure so he was agreeing to take on the Riley Smith contract in exchange for being able to select March or so in the expansion draft. Uh, the two are one and three in team scoring. While I expect Smith to slow down, uh, you can't doubt what the, you know, Halda, Carlson, all three of those guys have done through the first half of the season. It's impressive. It's not easy to throw uh, 41 games together like that. Uh, but again, nonetheless, I can't see these guys. At the very least, they have to come back to earth to some degree. And Carlson and Halla specifically have a long way to fall, shooting 26.3 and 17.9% this season. So look for that to happen. Um, just not in Vegas because, you know, teams, they. Yeah, they are amazing on home, and the Vegas can't, food can't is imagine amazing. why. 
can't imagine why. It was Vegas so funny, man. Like I, we talked, like, and then we obviously aren't the first people to talk. No, about we blew it, the door. We talked about it. Bro. We talked about it, and then I saw like a million articles yeah. the next week about it. It yeah. was like, it was hilarious. We did. Well, we were just like, why is no one talking about this? Like, yeah, and then everybody so, like, talks about it. We made it mainstream. Just... Like clearly, all those mainstream guys listen to this podcast. Yes. That's the reason it happened. Yes. Duh. Yes. But uh, going, you know, and I, I, I hate to say this, but the guy I expect to regress here in the second half is Brock Besser. Before I really get into it, I just want to say that Besser is unreal. I love Brock Besser. He also has the best name in the NHL. I also have him on a team in which I also have Tyler Segan. So I have Brock and Segan, so I will never trade any of them. Uh, Neither one of those guys are getting dealt. This is the greatest team ever. I should probably just name it Brock Segan. It would make so much sense. Love it. Anyways, he's shooting at 20.5%. That's ridiculous. I don't care how good his shot is. I've said this with Line A. I've been right to, you know, so far, which everybody else also was. But even if that comes down to 15%, of it, which is a Steven Samkos rate, but let's just say it's that good that he'll shoot at 15%. If he had shot at 15% to this point in the season, he would be tied for 27th in the league in goals instead of tied for 4th. That's just how much of a drop-off there would be because of his ridiculous shooting percentage. So expect something similar to that in the second half. The reason I say I expect Besser to drop off is strictly because of his shooting percentage. And I am offering this guy in every single trade possible right now. I think he's a stud. I really do. But you can sell this guy for the moon right now. Like You can get anything yeah. you want. Especially if you know a Vancouver fan, I mean. Oh yeah. If you know, if you know one. Even more so, I don't think they exist. Far in between. But. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. To, I'm was, ready to sell. I think that was message. our longest episode ever. Oh, it was super, super long. I hope they liked That's it. Good. I hope they liked to listen We're to back. us. Yeah, we yeah we had to we had to come back with a nice. It was almost as long as our break, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's pretty much right on par with that. But anyways. Yeah, we're just keeping on. This was Season 3, Episode 16. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We may be back this Thursday with another episode. So a quick turnaround for us and you guys as well, which is excellent. But I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, head over to iTunes. Give us five stars. Leave a nice comment. If you didn't, head over to iTunes. Don't click the one star. But just tell us what you think we could do better. Or just head to Twitter. Hit us up at at DFO Podcast on Twitter or myself at Brock underscore Segan. D at 3D Berthium or Beebs at Beebs underscore Bondi, right? Nope, just Beebs Bondi. No underscore, just Beebs Bondi. Underscore is his middle name. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, enjoy the Blue Stones. We'll see you guys back here probably in four days. Peace. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.